So Mike and I got to go on a little adventure this week. I think he told you about it um, last week. Uh, we went backpacking, and we had a ton of fun. It was quite the adventure for us because we have uh, a 14 and 12 year old daughters, and we have not been backpacking since before they were born. So it's been at least 15 years since we went. But we had so much fun. We went to Lake Packwood, um, and so we got to uh, we hiked about five miles in, and then we found this little lake, and then we found a little campsite right next to the lake and we had our hammocks and our fire and our our little baby tent Um, and we stayed there two nights and it was just gorgeous. It was beautiful to be in this forest with these giant trees and so much so many birds and so you could hear the wildlife about you and it was a, a forest full of life. I was struck by how much life was there. There was um, these logs, these trees that had fallen into the lake, and so it turned into like these floating logs, almost like a little pier into the lake. And we had uh, several little duck families that lived close to us. And so they would do their little trek over the logs and all the little baby ducks and then come back. And it was super fun to watch so much life. And also, there was death all around us which was really interesting to think about. As we walked, there were these trunks, these some small, some ginormous of trees that had died and fallen. There were, there was rotting wood. There were, there were different things that were rotting all over. So there was life and death in the same place. As we were driving there, we, we drove by a river, and um, we, we had the cool experience to be at the right place at the right time, and there was this eagle who just swooped down kind of right in front of us as it flew away. And we're like, whoa, that's an eagle! And then you could see that it was holding fish in its talons. Life and death in the same place. We even saw some of these uh, giant tree trunks that had fallen that were rotting, that had other trees growing through them, other trees growing inside of them. I love going out into nature. I love seeing God's creative power, both in the the beauty that is just gorgeous, and also in the constant, um, to be able to witness God constantly bringing about new life out of death. So today we're going to continue in our series in John, and and as we've been saying, John wrote this gospel so that the readers might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and might receive new life. And so we're in John chapter 11 today, and we're about halfway through the book, and in this first half of John, um, focus emphasizes the signs that Jesus did, signs that, that prove, that point to Jesus's identity. So we've looked at the stories of Jesus turning water into wine, feeding thousands out of, you know, just a few loaves of bread and fish, uh, walking on water, healing the official son, the paralytic, the blind man. And now we're going to look at the, at the final big sign for, for this section, which is uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. So we're going to be looking in John, reading it from John chapter 11. It'll be up on the slides here. You also have some Bibles under your seats. If you would like to, to pull out a Bible or read on your phone, you're welcome to follow along. Starting in verse 1. 
Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village Mary of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there. Uh, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. What an interesting story. We'll read, we'll read more of it. But for now, let's pause. You have, these, you have Martha and Mary and Lazarus, part of a family that Jesus knew well. These were good friends of Jesus. The text says that Jesus loved them. And the author even clarifies, John clarifies, that this is Mary who appoints Jesus with perfume. And we'll read that story in chapter 12. And so Lazarus falls ill. We don't know what kind of illness. We don't know what kind of journey, but he's deathly ill. And, and, and they send word, and Jesus is told that Lazarus is sick. And he makes a very unexpected decision. Jesus chooses not to go to Lazarus right away. He delays his, his trip. I mean, imagine being Mary and Martha. Imagine your, your brother is deathly ill. You're doing all you can to try to take care of him and heal him. And you know your good friends, in fact, with a doctor who has the cure. And yet he's not coming. He's delayed. But Jesus isn't just dragging his feet. He has a purpose to his delay. He knew what would happen. And he said, this is all happening for God's glory and so that God's son may be glorified. And, and glory just means honor and praise and exaltation to, to be distinguished. Jesus is saying, I know it's going to happen and it's going to bring glory to God. So two days later, he tells his disciples, hey, it's time to go. And his disciples don't like the idea. Like, hey, do you remember what happened last time you were there? This is like really close to Jerusalem. Um, you're, you're walking to your death. If we go, the Jews are going to kill you. 
And Jesus says, no, we need, we need to go. And he spells it out for his disciples. Lazarus is dead, and I'm going to go wake him up. And so his disciples follow him, even though they think that they're walking to their deaths. You know, sometimes when we read scripture, we, if, if we've read the whole story, we're like, we know what's going to happen. And so we can kind of be down on, on, the, on, on the characters, down on the disciples. I mean, they should have believed. They should have known what was going to happen. But hindsight, hindsight is very different than being right in, in the moment, in that time and place. And I really resonate with the disciples here because so often our imaginations and our perspective um, on, what, on, on what we believe God can do is limited by what we think is humanly possible. And, and to the disciples in this moment, the only thing that could come out of this situation is for Jesus and them to be killed. And yet they follow. We're going to continue the story in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus, followed, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead, had been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you what you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister uh, Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I don't know about you, but when I read this portion of the story, I can feel the emotion. And can you feel the grief? 
the sadness. I want to acknowledge today that many of us in this room are grieving loved ones. Many of us know what that's like. And it's really hard. (laughs) And it's a journey, and it's a process. And there's no timeline (laughs) for, for that journey. It ebbs and flows, it comes and goes, and, and grief changes us because when we grieve, we're grieving the loss of someone we've loved in our lives. And so it changes our life. And so if this story brings up emotion for you, I just, I just want to acknowledge, hey, I, I get that, and that's okay, and God wants to be there for us, with us, in that grief and in that emotion just want to pause for a minute and pray. Lord, we pray for for all of us in this room and in our neighborhoods that are grieving. Lord, you know, you know how hard that journey is. Lord, we pray for your comfort and for your peace. Lord, we pray for the experience of your nearness, that your spirit of divine love would wrap us up and provide a safe place to both experience and to process our grief. And Lord, we pray that as a community, you would teach us, continue to teach us how to love and care for each other through grief and to grow our capacity to simply be present with each other, sharing in our joys and sharing in our sorrows together. In Jesus' name, amen. So for... Martha and Mary, they're right in the middle. Like this is right four days after Lazarus has died. So they're right in the middle of of this struggle, middle of grief. And they have this huge gathering. Family have come in town. Friends have come in town. And also mourners have come to be with Mary and Martha. It it says many Jews came in from Jerusalem. It's likely that their family was fairly prominent. Um, in in this society. And it was a custom um, at the time in place for, for people to come um, into the home of those who were mourning, who were grieving, and to sit with the family. And I really appreciated that as I was reading about that. Often they would sit in silence even. And the point was just to be present with the family in their grief. And then there were interspersed times um, in which everyone would weep and wail and moan aloud, again, sharing in the grief of the family. They even hired professional mourners. Like that was, that was a career you could choose, where you would hire someone who would come in and they would play music and they would weep and wail and sing songs of lament. So it's likely all that was happening at this time, I love the communal aspect of, of, of grie- grieving here that we see in this story. So Martha and Mary are surrounded by people. Jesus comes and they both talk to Jesus, first to, to Martha and then to Mary. But both of their conversations with Jesus start with, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, the agony that you can feel in that statement. This is like the worst case scenario for them. And they're speaking with Jesus, whom they know and they love. Um, They're they're close friends. 
And I want to draw our attention to Jesus' response to their grief. Okay, because we can understand their grief, I think. Um, we can re- resonate with that in, in many ways. But I want to draw our attention to Jesus' response to their grief. So in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. And Jesus wept. He cried. He wept with them. Now, this is a Jesus who knows what he's about to do. He knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet he weeps with them. You know, as a kid, this was um, one of my favorite verses for a terrible reason. Um, But it was one of my favorite verses because we had like a competition on who could memorize the most scripture. (laughs) So we really liked the verses that only had two words. (laughs) So verse 35, that's a whole verse. Jesus wept. Like, yes, I got that one. Um, as an adult, I find this verse very profound. That Jesus weeps. The creator of the universe sits with us in our grief and shares it with us. As Jesus is talking to Martha, about Lazarus rising again, raising him from the dead. You know, Martha at first is thinking, yeah, in, in the last day he'll rise again. And, and Jesus is, is trying to make her understand that that's not what's going on here. And he makes this powerful statement. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I and the resurrection and the life. And, and we've seen this theme of life in John quite a bit as we've, we've gone through this gospel, the idea of abundant life or life in the fullest, eternal life, life that will never end being found in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I am the source of resurrection. I'm the source of new life. Jesus has the authority and power both to resurrect and to give life. And so he says to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I love this question. He just asks her, do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She says, yes, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You know, in in Christianity, uh, we often will talk about Peter's confession of faith. Um, halfway through the other Gospels, um, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter was the one who said, you are the Messiah. And often we talk, we, we talk about Peter's confession and we even call it the great confession because it's like this climactic point where the disciples understand who Jesus is. And yes, we should be talking about Peter's confession. And also, also, Let's talk about Martha's confession here. Because Martha's confession parallels Peter's confession. And I'm struck by the timing of it. It's in the middle of her grief and devastation. She is able 
to say to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I believe. I believe you are the chosen one. I believe you are the promised Savior that will deliver us, that will deliver Israel, that will deliver all of humanity. I believe in your divinity, that you are the Son of God. I am blown away by the depth of faith and conviction uh, that Martha demonstrates here. She is a powerful example of a true disciple of Jesus. As, a, as individuals and as a community, may we have the faith of Martha. That in the midst of hardship and struggle, we would intentionally move towards Jesus. May the Spirit give us the insight and the clarity of Martha that we would not be blinded by our pain and our struggles, but that we would look to God and recognize who God is, even in the midst of our pain. Whatever hardships, whatever struggle you're in the middle of right now, I want us to to know today that there is hope in Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus walks with us, that Jesus is near, that Jesus laughs and weeps with us, that Jesus saves and invites us into new life in his kingdom. The last section we'll read today starting in verse 38. Jesus once more moved, uh, deeply moved, came to the tomb. He was, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Martha, uh, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And so they took the stone away. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus gives the unthinkable command, right? Four days after this man has been buried, he says, take away the stone." And I resonate with Martha. She says, uh, okay, what? <laughs> but Lord, are you, did I hear you right? <laughs> Take away the stone. And Jesus says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And their belief led them to action. And they rolled the stone away. You know, Jesus doesn't shy away from a hard ask. Like some of the things he asks of us, that God asks us to do, they're just hard. And this is one of those moments. 
But it's beautiful that they are invited into the process of this miracle. So Jesus asked them to roll the stone away. And looking back after Lazarus has been raised, as they're processing this, they can say, hey, God included us in this process. We were invited to participate in what God was doing. We got to roll the stone away and watch God's miraculous work. Jesus prayed aloud that people might might hear him and believe and said, thank you, Father, that you always hear me. And then he shouts to Lazarus, come out. And then the shocking sight of this man wrapped up still in linen cloths. And I'm like trying to picture it. And it's kind of hard not to think of some of those movies, right? With the mummies. <laughs> I'm trying to picture Lazarus walking out. And, and people must have been shocked, must have been stunned, confused, afraid, just still like in shock because Jesus had to tell them, hey, help the guy out. Take off his grave clothes. I, I imagine them like going for the eyes first, trying to peel away the linen so they could see into his eyes. The raising of Lazarus is a powerful sign that Jesus is indeed who he says he is. Proof that he is truly the resurrection and the life. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God in human form, come to give humanity new life. Friends, we are invited into this story. We are invited to believe in Jesus and to receive new life. What a beautiful invitation. Now, I want to recognize that here in this room, there's going to be people from all different walks of life and all different places in their faith journey. And I just want to repeat again, hey, you are welcome wherever you're at. So maybe you're here just exploring, who is this Jesus guy? I'm really not sure about all this. (laughs) If that's you today, that's totally okay. We're glad you're here. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, again, Jesus invites us, believe and receive new life. We're invited to proclaim that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the savior, that Jesus is the hope for all humanity, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And this isn't just some abstract theoretical belief, but rather a belief that changes everything, that it changes how we think, it changes how we act, it changes how we live that we would orient our lives towards Jesus in the kingdom of God. And Jesus will help give us a new um, perspective on our identity and our purpose and how to live. We're going to close out today with communion. Um, So I want to invite the the band back up. You know, the story of Lazarus foreshadows Jesus' death and and Jesus' resurrection. Lazarus was buried four days. Jesus was in the tomb three. Lazarus comes out with strips of linen all over his body. Jesus' grave clothes were neatly folded in his tomb. But both resurrections were for the glory of God. And so I want to invite us to remember Jesus' death and his resurrection as we take communion today. We remember his death um, through, through this practice that we, we, take, we take the bread, which represents his body. 
and the juice that represents his blood poured out. And we remember that Jesus died on a cross to conquer sin and death. And then Jesus rose again. And Jesus offers us new life. During this time, we'll, we'll sing a song together that you're invited um, to, to sing along. But also maybe um, take this time as, as time for reflection. And I invite us to ask ourselves, who do we truly believe Jesus is? Like, what do we really believe about Jesus? And, and what is this new life that God is offering me? What does it look like in my life? How am I invited to live into that? And I want to invite us, and maybe it's this morning, uh, privately in your head or, or, or with someone that you came with and you want to turn and talk, but I want to invite us sometime this week to say out loud or put into words what it is that we believe about Jesus. So as the, as, as the band sings, we'll, how we have communion um, here in the middle and at the back, set up at the back, and you're welcome to come and get communion. And um, you can take that any point during the song. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your invitation. Lord, I want to declare that you are the Messiah, Jesus. You are the Son of God. You are the Savior. I want to praise you. I want to glorify you. I want to thank you. We thank you for your love. That goes all the way. It's never ending. Love. We thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. Your death that did not end in your death, but your death that resulted in, in conquering our sin and death. And then, Lord, you rose again from the dead that you are the resurrection and the life, that you offer new life to all who believe in you. And this invitation is for us and it's for our neighbors and it's for the people that we like and the people that we don't like. It's for all of humanity. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love. And we take time this morning to remember you in communion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.